Welcome to Mom and Daughter Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, February 9th, the after-school squabbling edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's 8, and Teddy, who's 6, and we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer and contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column on Fridays. I have a daughter, Naima. She's nine and three quarters, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make a different show. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I live in Detroit with my family. My oldest, Noah, is five, and my youngest, Ami, is two. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the hardest parts of the day, the period between after school and dinner. We'll be helping a dad whose kids can't keep it together after school and end up squabbling more often than not. We, of course, will also talk about our parenting triumphs and fails of the week. And if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we're going to be talking about the new rules of the road for parenting etiquette. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. I thought that 120 was kind of messed up. Even when a kid's party says no gifts, you're supposed to bring a gift. Agreed. Because like people are very serious about that, you know, and I've encountered enough of them. We've encountered enough of them through the podcast and through Karen feeding and like on the Facebook wall, like you would think it's not a big deal, but like there are people that are really hardcore, but like, no, we don't want this child being showered with gifts. And it just seems really obnoxious. Yeah. Respect their wish. And I do, I prefer when, you know, folks say gifts aren't necessary. You know what I mean? Like it gives you the option if you really, really want to do something for them. And you also run the risk of like, they might not give it to the kid. So now Mm -hmm. you might be putting this child through, you know, having to see it and know that they're not going to receive it. Why would they write that? It's not, it's not performative when when we're saying (laughs) we don't want gifts. gifts. It's like, no, we don't want any more shit in our house. As a Slate Plus member, you'll get a whole bonus segment from us each week, zero ads on any Slate podcast, and you get unlimited access to the Slate website. Plus, it truly is the best way to support our show. So I hope you'll join us if you can. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash plus. Okay, we're going to dive into our week in parenting, but not before a quick break. See you back here in a second. All right, Zach, what's going on with you and the family this week? So I have two connected things, um, one of which is going to prompt a question I have for the two of you. But um, the main thing is that for the last many years, I've been feeling like weekends are fucked. Like, I don't like weekends. I'm not looking mm-hmm. forward to them. It's like weekends aren't what they used to be before kids, right? Weekends are work. Weekends are planning. Weekends are logistic. Weekends are not restful, right? Mm-hmm. But just recently, you know, my kids are five and a half and two and a half. Weekends are starting to feel kind of nice. And I'm really excited about that. There is some some peace and equanimity in the house. There is, um, you know, the kids are sleeping decent. I'm actually, like, excited to, like, do my Saturday morning ritual of making pancakes. And, like, even, like, the kids' activities. Like, we went to this really nice Tubishvat. Um, Tubishvat is the Jewish holiday. Uh, basically celebrating the trees. Uh, we went to like a, a community Tubishvat celebration this weekend and it was so nice. Whereas like, I don't know, there have been times past where, where that kind of felt obligatory and, and not fun. I've been, I've been enjoying myself. And it makes me think of this moment that happened last week. We were watching my nephew's basketball game. He's in middle school. I was just like running around with Ami in the, in the hallway of the school where the game was. 
because uh, he's not just going to sit in the bleachers for the whole time. And we were playing with a ball, which I still like to do, um, even though I'm nearly 40. It's still fun just to roll a ball. And Ami was being very cute, obviously, because he's very cute. And this woman comes by and she goes, ah, oh, this is the best. Like, this is the best time. Like, that's the best age. And like, that's, I hear a lot of people say this, that like, when kids are like really young, like this, and the in the snuggle zones, it's the best age. And I mean, it's it, it's it's been ecstatic for me lately. It feels great, but that also makes me think like, so what does that mean for when my kids are eight and and twelve and sixteen? Like, is that not? I want it all to be great. Is that is that an unrealistic, you know, expectation? So I'm just wondering, like, do do you think about stuff like, oh, that was it, it, that was great, um, and it's less great now? How do you think about that when people use that language? I'm probably guilty of saying that those ages were the best age, you know, from time to time. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that we mourn our children's previous stages throughout their lives. You know, like when they were four, we were mourning babyhood. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So Mm -hmm. even though there might have been things that were a relief, like not having to change diapers or, you know, um, sleeping through the night, you know, you still miss that sweet little snuggly baby, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel Mm -hmm. like I miss every stage that Naima's been. And yes, that particularly little and sweet time, this is before they start really challenging you. You know, like when they step into themselves and they turn seven or eight and, you know, start having really around eight, you know, they start having these strong opinions and they disagree with you and they Mm -hmm. have a bad attitude sometimes. It changes things, you know, but like, but I would still say this is a, a wonderful time, you know, and that I am delighted to and really enthusiastic about loving and parenting this child. So I don't think that goes away. You know, I think it becomes more trying in certain ways. You know, there's nothing like somebody who's just the, the snuggle stage, you could call it, you mm-hmm. know, the snuggle stage kid. But my kid is still snuggly, you know, Good. like Good. At, at nearly t- she'll be 10 next month. She still gets in my lap. You know, like she is a a sweet, snuggly thing. And some of that is, you know, part of her being a a kid who went, who's lived through the COVID era. The ones in her peer group are in a slightly different place developmentally than they would have been, you know. Um, But, but, but I'm enjoying this extended snuggle period, you know, and I I hope it lasts forever. But I know that it's always going to be great loving her. So I I don't think you're going to enjoy parenting less i just think there's going to be something about it that you're going to probably really miss yes beautifully said i think as a as a self-protective measure we forget a lot of the bad stuff right like i think that about childbirth all the time if i had remembered truly (laughs) i may not have had subsequent children and i i think that about a lot of this like it's so easy to look back and see a little kid running down the hall, right, and be like, "Oh, I wish my kid is different now." They don't. Right. They don't do that. And like Jamila said, mourning. I though live in fear of spending too much time looking back and thinking about things that have passed, <laughs> and so I constantly need to think about the positive things that are <laughs> that are coming. Yeah. Um. Like I sometimes have a hard time like looking back too much, even at pictures or things like that, for fear of being sad. <laughs> Which I know that is like enough to unpack in many, many rounds of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it does keep me, like Jamila said, saying like, when they were that age, I felt like, gosh, I can't wait to share these favorite books with them. Or I can't wait to share this with them. And like, how exciting when he can throw the ball, right? How exciting when you can like go play an actual game or like when they all can play a board game or you all can Mm -hmm. actually have a family movie night with a movie you want. Like all of those have been really enjoyable experiences that we have grown into as well. We feel so much better. Thank you both. Also, there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) Time marches on. (laughs) Time marches on. Jamila, how about your week? So I I was going to use this, I think, as my fail last week, and I had another option. But last week, Naima wanted to wear her hair. Like, hair is a constant struggle for us. One, I'm not the best hairdresser, so I don't have, the you know, that arsenal, like, the little girl who has all the different hairstyles and the different braids and the different ponytails and puffs, and I, I'm not that mom. I'm just not, you know, I'm not that, I have very basic hairstyles that I can do. And we try, luckily Naima's stepmother can braid, like she braids her hair sometimes, like it's great, you know, but it was, you know, on me last week to do her hair and I washed it, you know, which is always traumatic. And the next day she wanted to wear it like in a kind of out style, you know, And I was like, oh, it's not a good idea. You know, it's going to be so tangled. And she's like, please, please, please. And like, she wins. Then she comes home the next day and her hair is so tangled. And she's like, I shouldn't have worn it out. You were right. You know, I'm like, oh, so we go through this traumatic detangling, you know. And then another day that week, she wanted to wear her hair in a kind of like in a puff, like in a, you know, at the back of her head. You know, which means all the curls are out. Like, I try to keep her hair in some braids, you know? Like, unfortunately, I can't do fancy braids, and she feels like the hairstyles that I do look very childish, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, but it's the best I can do, and it protects her hair, you know? So it doesn't get all tangled. And um, and it still looks very cute. She wants to puff. I give in. She gets the puff. The hair's tangled. We go through this again. And so yesterday she came home at, from her dad's house and her stepmother had washed her hair and she put it in a single braid, but like it was like a sleep braid, you know, like, so I got up and tried to, you know, redo the braid this morning and Naeem was all like, it looks horrible. I, you know, she blew it out. I want to wear it. Like she didn't blow it straight, but she blew it out big yeah. or whatever, you know, and she's like, I want to wear it out. And so I gave in and I let her wear it out. And so I'm claiming the fail now. Because when she comes home tonight, we're going to be back at our traumatic hair combing. Mm. And the fact that I've allowed this to happen three times in the week. And on the other hand, I'm like, she deserves to enjoy her hair, you know, and like to wear styles that make her feel She's asking for it. Sometimes I think Naima's going to call the people on me. She goes, (laughs) she gets so upset. Oh, my God. No, I too. Yes. The, it, so you really are paying the price. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the shrieking. There are tears, the shrieking. Yep. It's a whole thing every time. And it's not, I think the thing is, like, it's not something she can do herself, right? She's starting to experiment with doing it herself, you know, like braiding it for sleep. Um, she doesn't always get all the tangles out, you know, so I'm, <sighs> her dad was kind of like, well, that's how she'll learn. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> we got to get the tangles out. <laughs> So, um, yeah, but we are working toward that. They don't ever magically come out. No. 
but we're working toward her doing it on her own, which is a good thing. She wants, she would prefer to do it on her own. I just have to make sure it's fully detangled. It's hard, but I think you're doing the right thing. You can still claim it as a fail because it sounds terrible, but. That's fair. That's very fair. Okay. New perspective. New frame. New frame. What about you, Elizabeth? I don't know if I'm taking a triumph or a fail, but guys, Thursday was like just a day. And I cried in the pantry at least once. I cried in my closet at least Mm -hmm. once. Thursdays are kind of a mess because like all three go to occupational therapy in the morning. And then we, my friend Michaela and I like have them run through music class. Teddy has to leave again for speech therapy. And so it's, it's a lot of moving pieces and we've tried to do it other ways and it really doesn't work. So we're kind of stuck with this schedule. And then Teddy was just a complete pill. We got to speech therapy and, um, as a backstory, Henry's really into magic, so we've been watching a lot of, like, Penn and Teller. Well, at speech Ooh. therapy, Teddy decided to be Teller, which, in case you don't know, is the silent magician. And so decided to, like, sign to the speech therapist, and I honestly just said to her, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> he has to go with you, and you're going to have to figure this out because I don't know what to do. Apparently, she worked her magic, and he did, like, make just the letter sounds, nothing. He signed everything else. Well. Wow. I get back to the house after all of this, and Michaela has everyone working, but, like, two of the kids are crying about things that are just, we we don't even know, right? They're not crying about the work. They're just, like, upset. I just start, like, cleaning. I get really warm. I mean, it's cold here in Colorado. I get really warm, and I, like, strip down to my tank top, and Michaela looks at me and says, I think you're dysregulated. I think you should go for a walk. <laughs> and I was like... Oh my gosh, I am like I am. Yeah. I am just completely dysregulated from the day. I am incapable of of handling like any of this. Michaela took all the kids outside. It was cold. She was just like outside. And um we took a little walk. She kind of kept an eye on the kids. I walked back down the street by myself. Yeah. We regrouped. She left with her kids. And I just thought, thank goodness I like have this friend who's willing to be like, you are a mess. Yep. <laughs> it's okay. You know, uh, I cried like three more times that day, like for no, just like complete overwhelming with the parenting stuff. And then when you're in that like dysregulated place, you know, I start thinking like, well, I'm not doing enough for Oliver's writing. I'm not doing enough for Henry's math. Like they're net, like I just can mm-hmm. get into that you cycle, yeah. but I survived the day and, and the weekend was better. That's legit. And I'm, really happy that you have Michaela and Elizabeth have you done the date that we talked about you doing your solo date (laughs) no (laughs) that's probably why I'm having a break it's time (laughs) it's definitely time it's so important Elizabeth you have to just do it all right guys well I'm gonna take my day I'm gonna report back next week that I did something yes just two hours on my own it's gonna happen so on that note We're all going to take a quick break. (laughs) It won't be two hours, though. Uh, We'll see you back here for our listener question. All right, it's time for our question, which is being read, as always, by the fantastic Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, we have a six-year-old son and a three-year-old son. Our six-year-old was homeschooled last year but loves school this year. His teacher constantly gives him great reviews for his behavior and enthusiasm for learning. 
Unfortunately, our difficulties begin when he gets home from school. Our two boys cannot seem to coexist for more than a couple of minutes before they start arguing and fighting. I cannot step away for a few minutes without having to come back to intervene. It's so difficult some days. My wife and I take one each just to keep them separated. But typically, they both want to be with their mom, and she's usually preoccupied. Our six-year-old does not seem to have much patience with his younger brother. He gets frustrated when his brother can't play like his classmates. I've tried to explain that they're not in the same place developmentally, and he needs to adjust his expectations. To be fair, his younger brother will tantrum, lash out, and make impossible demands of his big brother, all of which provoke and can lead to their clashes. I wonder if part of this stems from my six-year-old being tired after school, and I tried to encourage some alone time to recharge, but he usually refuses. I've also tried to encourage separate play and invite one to help me in the kitchen. Both suggestions get refused. They're only better when I'm there to referee, but I need to get the household chores done. How can we get through the difficult hours between after school and dinner? When they play well together, it's such a joy, but that's so rare these days. Thanks. Love the show and appreciate the fails that make me feel like a normal parent. Best regards, a dad struggling after school. I feel you, dad. Thanks for writing in. Um, I've got a couple things and then I definitely want to hear what you two have to say. So you're making these suggestions. You're suggesting that they do some separate play. Um, You're suggesting that one of them comes into the kitchen with you. These are good ideas, but I wonder if the suggestions need to be more coming to the kitchen with me, imposing some order and not letting them just totally dictate where they're going to be and what they're going to be doing there. So actually making some kind of routine like older boy, you're baking cookies with me, pal. Um, and your brother is going to go play, uh, you know, ball with mom. That's what's going to happen. You don't have to be a fascist about it. You can make it fun, but actually like coming up with this plan, talking to them before, like, okay, tomorrow when you come home from school, we're going to actually do this new thing. It's going to be fun. You're going to do this. We're going to do that. So that's one suggestion. Another thing, this is just a reminder, and I know you know this, but it's not going to always be like this. Your three-year-old is going to mature and they're going to be able to like enjoy the same thing together. But this is just a tough age where a six-year-old is really advanced in a lot of ways, uh, in ways that, that the three-year-old isn't. So there is going to be some dissonance in just what they're excited about and what they get into. So this is temporary. And then another thing, and I feel you big time on this, like the chores need to get done, but like leave the chores for now. The dishes are going to get washed. The floor is going to get swept. But for now, at least for like the first half hour when kids get home from school, if you're fortunate enough to where it sounds like you're both there, get in there with your wife and your kids where it might work out where the four of you can be together. But if not, like leave the chores and do something and actually just focus on them for a little while. Let them know how much you love them. I'm sure you do that already. See what that does. So those are my two initial suggestions. But I know that um, you're trying really hard, it sounds like. And this, this certainly is a struggle. I definitely want to reiterate the part about reimagining your approach to encouraging them to do other things. And like, (laughs) I was giggling because I was like, suggestions? (laughs) These aren't suggestions. These are rules. This is what we do. This is our routine, you know, Um, and play with your routine. Don't commit yourself to something before, you know, you've seen some success with it. But like, 
give something a try. Like you said, older one comes and helps with cooking or has to have some quiet reading time or quiet play with toys time, you know, but like he does need time to decompress coming from school. Like he does need to relax a little bit um, and jumping right into his already wild relationship with his brother is not the best way for him to decompress coming from school. So let him sit down with a book. Um, if they get screen time, this is a good time to use it. You know, don't save it for later in the day. Like, let them get it out the way now. I was going to push back, Zach. I was like, I wonder if, like, not push back entirely, but when you said just kind of like, you know, the chores will be there, I wonder if this is the time at which he has to complete them, you know? Because, like, if his wife is preoccupied, it it may be that this is, you know, yeah, maybe part of nights or something. Yeah, or something. So, you know, if there are chores that you can put aside, of course, put them aside. But if you can't, the kids just have to do what you've asked them to do. And that's simply that, you know, or there's no ice cream. But they don't get to decide how they're going to spend their afternoons. I'm going to triple endorse the you are in charge, not the. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just think kids are such bad decision makers at this time of the day that they're they're never going to choose the quiet time, right? They're like hopped up from school and there's a lot going on. And I think they can sense the like kind of the chaos of the situation. And and not that they're trying to bring chaos, but kids tend to kind of run wild with that. You know, like, what can I get away with? Can I get this? Uh, I think any kind of routine here that you can set up, be it that these are the same things that happen. So you do a rotation. Um, I think you can still, if you're big on giving choice, you can still give choice. You know, do you want to help me sweep the floor and make dinner? That is a choice. Do you want to play with the magnetiles or listen to an audiobook, right. you know, while other. you play Legos? There are those choices. Yeah. But no kid is ever going to choose quiet time, in my experience. Um, yeah. I think particularly if you want this independent play, I've talked about this before, you're going to have to give five minutes or so to get them into the play, particularly at these ages. So if you can schedule into kind of your mental thing, like when they come home, you know, maybe you go spend 10 minutes sitting with your six-year-old in his room. How was your day? Having that conversation. And it ends with a nice, like, do you want me to turn on an audiobook? Do you want me to do this? And I'll see you in 10 minutes, right? Like, I think those routines can cue the next thing, or at this time, we're going to do this next thing. And I think your chores can be built into that and they can include the kids. I mean, assign the kids something they have to do, even if it's only semi-helpful. If everything is just a mess, use the screens, man. This is such a great time to just say, we watch this one show right now when you get home, or we listen to this one podcast episode and everybody draws, right? Like, I, I think there are ways that you can just say, this is what's gonna happen yeah and i wonder if this is um pie in the sky but it might be empowering to have a conversation with your older boy not at this time but when he's calm maybe before bed or pick a good time and and kind of talk about problem solving with him like i notice you know after school it's pretty hard like what what would make it better for you and so you're giving them some Mm -hmm. agency empowering them somehow to problem solve might be worth a shot jamila what does naima do right after school well, Naima is in an after-school program this year um, for the first time since first grade. Um, so we usually get home around between like 5.30 and 6, and we do dinner at 7. So like if she has homework to finish, she'll do that. Otherwise, like lately we've been playing board games. I used to kind of allow, you know, her to get into her screen and like I would do my own thing when we get home. But the way I do it now is that we start off having time together. 
You know, I usually make dinner before she comes home. So I just have to heat it up and stuff when it's time to eat. So focusing that time, I think that's a good, like, she knows she's going to get that time with you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One way or another. Mm-hmm. That's so nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a tough time for everyone, though. Totally. So, yeah. Struggling dad, good luck. <laughs> we we definitely want to know what's working, what's not working, what else are you trying I'm sure people out there, though, if you're listening, you definitely have ideas. We'd love to hear what you're doing with your kids after school or how you're, you know, handling this same squabbling issue at your house. So please leave us a voice memo. Send us an email. Of course, it's momanddad at slate.com. You can also send us questions of your own. Seriously, we are here to help and we genuinely want to know what you want to hear us talk about. No question is too big or too small. It's not too weird. So please send them in. Again, you can email us at slate.com. And that's it for our show. We'll be back in your feed on Monday. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll never miss an episode. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Jamila Lemieux and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. All right, Slate Plus listeners. So last week, The Cut released an article essentially laying out the new etiquette rules. It covered everything from how much you should tip to how to ghost someone. They also had a few parenting rules that we thought we'd talk about and see if we agree. So did you guys have any picked out that you loved, hated? I like that first one, number 113. You can discipline your friend's kids, but not a stranger's. Catherine Jeezer Morton who writes this little vignette talks about this happened like 10 years ago where she was at the park and her kid was playing with her friend's kid. And then out of nowhere, she hears this dad around the corner screaming at her kid and never forgot about it, obviously, because that's uh, kind of a monstrous moment. And so she writes this rule. And um, I think it's a good one. Of, Of course, like if you see a kid hurting someone at the park that you don't know, I think that's fine to intervene. But like short of that, you're not a stranger kid's parent yeah you definitely don't yell at anyone else's kids i do think it's okay at times to issue a point of correction yeah discipline Um, is the key word i agree a course correction right given from a kind place yes a kind where hey guys be careful over here you know or you shouldn't be doing that like sometimes you you gotta you shouldn't be doing that a kid let them know that someone's watching I think she's wrong about 116, or I think the cut's wrong about number 116, 116. which is sharing parenting advice. (laughs) Oh, oh, really? (laughs) What? (laughs) No, but I mean, her point is like, no one wants to hear it. And I guess I feel like I didn't come up with any of the stuff that works. I heard it or someone gave me the advice. I, I think the caveats here are like, you know, know your audience, right? Um, And two, when you give the parenting advice, you have to give it from the perspective of this may not work for you. It worked for me. If this sounds like something that would fit for you, I hope this helps. And if this sounds like something that is not a good fit, feel free to leave it, right? Because I just think that not giving any advice to anyone leaves us as parents really isolated because you may be holding the key for someone else. And I think there's also, there's like, Offering advice and then offering kind of completely unsolicited advice. Yes, yes. Like, I don't need your help with my tantruming toddler, right? Right. Like, in the grocery store. Right, right. right. There's a time and place for advice. You know which one I loved is number 117, 
go easy when asking young people about life after high school. Like, where do you want to go to college? Or like, I hated, I, I hated all that shit. And even in college, like, what do you want to do? Like, it's so stressful to be a teenager thinking about your future. Um, and some kids have an answer. Most don't. Come up with a more interesting question than where do you want to go to college? I think that's a good one. I thought that 120 was kind of messed up. Even when a kid's party says no Me gifts, too. you're supposed to bring yes. a gift. Agree. Yes. Like people are very serious about that, you know, and I've encountered enough of them. We've encountered enough of them through the podcast and through Karen feeding and like on the Facebook wall. Like you would think it's not a big deal, but like there are people that are really hardcore about like, no, we don't want this child being showered with gifts. And it just seems really respect, obnoxious. Yeah, to respect just their wish. And I do, I prefer when, you know, folks say gifts aren't necessary, you know what I mean? Like, it gives you the option if you really, really want to do something for them, you know? But, like, there's a big difference between gifts aren't necessary, which means you don't have to bring a gift, it's fine, and no gifts, like, which means do not bring gifts. And you also run the risk of, like, they might not give it to the kid, you know? Like, you don't know how serious they are about the rule. And so now Mm -hmm. you might be putting this child through, you know, having to see it and know that they're not going to receive it. Like, what is the point? Why would they write that? It's not not performative when when we're saying (laughs) we don't want gifts. It's like, no, we don't want any more shit in our house. I did want to say outside of the parenting one, number 72 is about texting someone after a great meetup. And I love this so much. And I think that this, since we've talked a lot about like making friends and keeping friends, I think it's such a nice, nice thing to do. And it's something I definitely do. Like I, I confirm any good interaction with a text that says basically that was a great interaction. (laughs) Yep. Um, And (laughs) not everyone returns it. Right. But I do just feel like I really like that sort of, I want to acknowledge that what just happened was really great. And I like how it says text within three hours. Like that's the rule, Yeah. um, which I appreciate. Unless you saw them at night. So I think there's like this caveat. If you went out to like 10 or 11 at night, you can text them the next morning. Because <laughs> the 2 a.m. text is unnecessary. Text. Or like right. right after can sometimes be weird. You know, like I like to let it merit like a little bit. Like, oh, that was I was thinking about it and it was really nice. Anyway, text your mom friends and your dad friends. They they need they need that kind of support. We sure do. In fact, text them even if the play date went poorly. <laughs> you know, kids were a mess, but nice to see yeah. you. <laughs> That kind of platonic friend flirting is is wonderful. I think, yes. It's nice. I think it's good. All right, well, Slate Plus, do you agree with any of these new rules? What rules do you want to see? Let us know by emailing us at slate.com. We'll see you back here on Monday, and be sure to join us on Thursday for another bonus segment. Bye! <laughs>